Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode five, I interview Brisbane's Aidan Hobbs. Aidan is arguably the king of Brisbane and Queensland running. He's been on the competitive scene for the last 15 years and in this time has managed to win the Brisbane Marathon in 2008, place in several major fun runs and officially hold the most park run course records across Australia from any runner. More importantly, it's the side of Aidan you don't see until you actually sit down and converse with him. Working in public health, he seamlessly acknowledges the concept of something like parkrun being much bigger than himself, describing it as very much about the community and its significant benefits on the physical and mental health of all involved. Although a competitive person by nature, this participation and enjoyment-based attitude is also evident in his long-standing history and tradition at the Sea to Surf Fun Run, attending the event consecutively for over the last 27 years, wearing his notorious Superman costume. And in training a master's athlete, Aidan has so much to share about his experience in running, the highs and lows and the stories that have made him the person and runner he is today. So how, how are you going? Um, how's your weekend running been? Yeah, good. Um, it's actually been a pretty big week last week. Um, uh, I went down to the Gold Coast and did the Australian Unigames Nationals. So I went down and did that last year as well. Had an absolute blast. It was um, just an opportunity after um, Opens Nationals to have a bit of fun. Um, so last year I kind of signed up for as many events as I possibly could and did the um, the 5K, the steeple, the 1500, put my name down for the 400 hurdles, got dragged in for a 4x100 and a 4x400. So um, I was actually inspired by, I was having a chat to um, James Nipperis a while back and um, I noticed on his World Athletics profile that he's got, um, like all these distance events, um, steeplechase times and things, but then underneath that, he's got uh, a result for a hammer throw. And I what just thought that throw? is excellent. Yeah, yeah, having he's got a hammer throw result on his World Athletics profile. Well, so he, did so, he do that at a uni games at some point? Yeah, yeah. So just a bit of fun. He'd, um, he did his did his events and put his name down for a, a hammer throw and yeah, got a result <laughs> on the board. But I think they've cracked down on that a bit in recent years. So to qualify for uni games nationals, you actually have to meet the standards. So I would have loved to have done like a shot put or something, but oh, that's so funny! Yeah, that's classic. Yeah, I do believe one day I'll, I'll yeah, give it go a go. Sorry. One day, maybe I'll do yeah. one pole vault or something. Yeah, I do believe the the standards are not not amazing. You know, when you compare them to the major major runs you got to get into. Um, I actually had a a boy um, from Churchy compete. His name's Cameron, old boy now. His first year at Cameron Tyne. You may have come across him. He's um, or an 800 meter runner yeah so he i think he competed i think it was in the morning actually mid-morning on maybe wednesday or something yeah the 800 um, finals it was a pretty hot and windy day that day too yeah yeah his time he was about a 155 for him a little bit slow so oh that's still pretty that's that's reasonable it's still pretty good particularly on the day as well it's tough conditions yeah 
yeah, that's it. You got to got to run to what you have. And um, how do you go? So back to back, those three days in a row, whatever. How mm. how do you deal with that? Have there been any other events that you've done in the past where it's so crammed? Like, have you ever done that uh, Warwick pentathlon or anything similar where you've got to back up? Yeah, I've done the Warwick pentathlon a few times. Um, I think the first time I did it would have been back in maybe 2006 or seven, maybe probably 2007, I think. Um, took a bit of a break and uh, I did it in, I think 2019 might've been the last year that I did it. Um, so for, I guess, for those that don't know the work pentathlon, it's five events over two days. You start off with a half marathon in the morning, um, sort of pretty undulating hilly course, freezing cold out at Warwick in, in May. Um, so you do that, get to the finish line, have a breakfast, and then a couple of hours later, you back up for a, a 4.6K cross-country run. And that's like a proper cross-country course. So they've got, um, like, they must just take this lawnmower out into the middle of the bush and just hack through, like, this path. <laughs> so you're doing, like, um, real sort of tight corners over logs and rocks and around sort of creek beds and they usually lead out the race with like a quad bike or a, a motorbike in the past they've had horses lead it out it's not great because it gets real dusty and you're like kicking up all the dust you're trying to sort of breathe and things but yeah it's a, a real fun course and then a couple of hours after that um, you back up again for a 5k um, road race so back in the day it used to be a criterion but in more recent years it's an out and back really flat um, course some years it's been pretty uh, pretty windy so you've had like a savage headwind uh, either on the way out or the way back and um, it's yeah quite fast um, even given you've got the two events from from that day still in your legs and then at the end of the day they do the presentations from each of the events it's one of the other features they've got lots of awards and things for age groupers so you kind of sit there at the pub have a beer and they do the presentations and um, then the next day you wake up early, drive out to Kalani and uh, it's a 10K mountain ascent. So you kind of, uh, uh, first five or six K is pretty undulating um, through sort of the hills as you get to the base of Queen Mary Falls. And then it's just a straight um, 4K up to the top, um, King of the Mountain style type thing. So yeah. similar to say, like if you know Mount Cooper, it's probably like, maybe similar gradient to that but a bit longer yeah um and by that stage your legs are pretty cooked from the previous day and then you finish off with a 1500 meter criterium race fast and furious through um the middle of warwick and i guess overall when you add your times up together it's supposed to be a, a bit of an indication around what your marathon time um you're sort of capable of running oh okay so i assume it'd be less distance then because you're running quicker over those shorter events for it to Oh, no, the yeah, distance equals, yeah, so it works out to be 42.2. Oh, it is bang on a marathon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you how do you get through those those kind of events where you've got to back up each day or even on the day like the Warwick Pentathlon? Do you, do you, you got any secrets or is it just the fact that you've done a few of them now and you've built that strength over time to just get through it mentally and physically? Yeah, I don't know if I've got a secret as such. I, I think... Um, just with my running, I'm, I seem to be pretty resilient. Like I seem to be able to back up okay. Like I don't pull up too sore. Um, yeah, I guess for the the uni games this year, I did the, the 10K on the Tuesday night, the steeplechase the following day. Felt okay for the steeplechase. 
Um, but the steeplechase is a pretty, it's a pretty rough event. Like not only have you got like the speed, but it's the, um, just the landings from all the jumps and things. Yeah, the impact. It does take yeah. a toll. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that I've really got any um, any secret. I just, as a runner, I seem to be able to back up um, without too much trouble. Yeah, I think I can think of like Pete Bracken too. He's another one, older older runner, too, who seems to go okay at that, or at least have a go at doing it. Yeah, no, Bracken's. Uh, when I first sort of got, started getting back into running, he was. Uh, yeah, just at every park run and every fun run that I've started going to. So he's he's probably very similar. He just has that ability to just um, yeah keep smashing out races day after day so over many many years. Oh yeah, for sure. Hey, let, let's get to some uh, formalities, eh? And then we'll get back into the storytelling uh, towards the end. So yeah, you've been on the running scene for a while now, and where I think we're a similar age. You're around mid thirties, aren't you? Yeah, thirty five. Yeah, so I'm not going to compare my running to you at all because um, you'd embarrass me with your times, but I guess we've been out there for a similar amount of time. So I guess when I'm just thinking about the connections I've had um, with runners and and the, and the people I get onto this podcast, um, that comes to mind first and foremost. I think we actually officially met at the end of a Brisbane a marathon event. Uh, I've never done the the full there but maybe it was after a half or a 10k and you might have forgotten that i'm not sure if you got any memory of that at all it was super brief at the end of the uh at the race precinct would have been a few years back yeah it might have been a few it was um i think the first one that i did would have been yeah sort of back in around sort of 2006 2007 but uh oh yeah no i, I wasn't there then no no that <laughs> no, would have been like i reckon i did did my first half marathon actually there uh, in 2017, I think. Then I've been back yeah. ever since in various. No, I think um, I, I I came up uh, came across a lot of the work that you were doing with the West End Running Group. Yeah. Um, I I saw on Strava there was all of a sudden around Brisbane there were all these <laughs> segments called uh, yeah like West End Running Group dash this segment that segment. And, so it was, um, you, you built a really good profile just on Strava there. Oh, it's so funny you say that because, yeah, I started doing it just naturally for the group to increase competition between the runners. But then I did actually, there was a point in time I thought of it as possibly a marketing ploy, hmm. which makes sense because runners have got Strava, which is a lot of them around the river. They see it pop up on the um, Strava segments and things so it, yeah it did cross my mind in the end but they're, and they're still there so they're promoting basically nothing now if anything they're leaving a legacy but i like to think some of them are pretty iconic too because they form part of some races and and the funny thing actually is too that a lot of our runners or some of them anyway would feature on the leaderboards for the segments but then i'd have to remind them mm. that the, the people they're up against whether female or male they're often actually in an event, even at like a, a marathon or half at the Brisbane Marathon, Mother's Day Classic comes to mind, and maybe a few others, which I thought was hilarious. That, and even myself, I, I remember breaking if into the top ten and thinking, "Oh, how good's this?" But let's go check Aiden's segment. Oh, that was in some half marathon or something. <laughs> I've just gassed <laughs> no, myself a, for 400 meters to try and keep up with you. No, that's the great thing about segments. I think uh, <laughs> it's so good that it gives everybody the opportunity. Like you, you'll have um, 
yeah, sort of the faster runners who might do it as part of like a, a 30 minute tempo or like a yeah, half marathon race. But, you know, regardless of who you are, if you can run, you know, reasonably quick for 400 meters or a kilometer, you've got a chance of taking a crown yeah. as one of the best runners in the, in the country or the state. So it's, yeah, it's good for that. Yeah, and obviously you can go anywhere to, to get them. So I guess the further you go out west or even north, you might have a better chance. Brisbane River's pretty full on now. Those, um, how do you pronounce the, the twins' name? Are they twins or brothers? Dewa or Dewa? Nick and Brandon? Oh, um, Dewa, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they've been um, pretty prominent along that Riverside Drive too. They were always yeah. featuring in them. I had a mile, had a mile time trial there for a bit from the corporate bridge where we met with the group down to the rowing shed i think it's grandma's rowing shed down there and um i think i held it that that time for a little bit which was around five minutes for the um the mile which obviously is a good minute off a decent runner um and you'd be close to that wouldn't you for 10 15 i think you'd be around for the mile <laughs> yeah uh, I've, I haven't run a mile. I think I've, my PB was 4.16, but uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest run. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, then over time, it just I just started plummeting down the, the rankings. Um, anyway, let's let's get to, to you more so as a, as a person before the running, probably the background for the listeners. Um, you're, you're living and have lived in sort of West Brisbane side for a while now. Is it Chapel Hill? Yeah, Chapel Hill, yep. That's where I'm based. Yeah, and have, do you, you own a house there? You've been there for a number of years? Yeah, we've been here since, uh, oh, like 2018, I think. Yeah, um, we bought the house around 2018, yeah. Oh, okay. And then prior to that, I thought I was seeing Strava, tra- you know, training on Strava out that way prior to that. Yeah, it might have been 2017. We, um, so... Yeah, I guess it depends on how far I go back. Um, I was in uh, uh, Auckland for a couple of years. Ah, okay. So yep. I came back to Brisbane. Um, I was living in, we were sort of renting a house in Auckland Flower. And, uh, but before that, um, we'd moved out sort of uh, re- uh, remote outback northwest Queensland. So I lived up in um, Mount Isa for three and a half years and Long Reach for, for two and Kind of got a little bit lazy, didn't really do as much running back then. But uh, yeah, it was um, quite different coming back uh, to the city and seeing traffic lights again for the first time. In yeah. A long time. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and all the um, concrete that you, you you face as a runner around cities, not not any gravel or much grass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you're you're also married, dad too, a couple of kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife, Peter. Um, she's got the kids at the moment. Uh, they can be pretty noisy, but um, you know, Peter, she's uh, she's pretty amazing. All the all the things that she does that uh, enables me to do all of the the running and, and everything else that I do. She's got the kids downstairs at the moment because they can be a bit like a, a tornado. They just sort of tear through the house. They've got this um, remote control car that they love playing with at the moment, but it just makes so much noise. So she's got like she's got them downstairs. So. And how, how old are they, mate? And boys, girls, or two of them? Yep. Um, so Levi's six, Nathan's four, and Miller is four months. Oh, right. So three and, and a girl just in the last four months. Yeah. I haven't seen your running change much over that time. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. It's a bit of a joke because um, uh, 
uh, like when, before I had the kids, I wasn't really doing anything. Um, I was pretty sort of overweight and unfit. And this was when I was living up in Longreach and Mount Isa and did sort of the occasional fun run and, and things, maybe did a social running with the triathlon club up there, but nothing really competitive. And then we moved back down to Brisbane in 2015. That was the year that Levi was born. And there's a direct correlation between having kids and my sort of rise in, in my oh, right. so oh, the, fantastic. The performance enhancing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Um, so we can just get some of the formalities out of the way first. Um, what else have I got here? Oh, yeah. What do you do for work? Um, so I was trained as I, I did um, an undergrad in podiatry. Um, so did, uh, did my studies through QUT and was um, practicing uh, as a clinician. That was the reason that I was out in Mount Isa. It was kind of funny when I was going through uni uh, at the time, because I was interested in running, I got into podiatry to become a sports podiatrist. But then everyone else in my year, they were all um, really keen on kind of like the, the general medicine, diabetes, high risk foot, ulcer management, all that sort of stuff. And I had no interest in that at all when I was going through uni. But um, as I was uh, finishing up in my final year, I had a job lined up and at the last minute it fell through. So I was kind of stuck. Um, there was just no work available in Brisbane and I was looking everywhere and um, I was in the army reserves at the time and my, um, uh, the medical officer in, in the platoon that I was in, he was a um, really awesome fellow. He's, um, I stay in touch with him still today. He helped me out. He was, said, right, leave it with me. I'm going to speak to all the podiatrists I know and I'm going to find you a job. And he spoke with this, um, uh, with this lady who had just opened up a clinic up in Mount Isa and uh, passed on my details. She gave me a call and said, look, I've got, I've got this job in Mount Isa. Um, would you be interested? And I said, yep, perfect. I can start next week. Where's Mount Isa? I <laughs> absolutely no idea what I was in for. So uh, packed up all my things, moved up uh, to Mount Isa and uh, yeah, ended up working um, in a little clinic there. From there, I, um, I moved into community outreach work. So I was doing um, fly-in, fly-out work into a lot of the remote Indigenous communities. And, yeah, it just so happened that I did absolutely no sports podiatry at all um, at, when I was practising. It was, yeah, just purely diabetic foot, high-risk ulcer management, all that sort of stuff. And everyone else that I went to uni with, all the things that they were really interested in at the time, they, yeah, just the majority of them went into sports podiatry. So it was kind of like this, this swap, this shift. Looking back, though, I'm kind of um, yeah, a bit sad that I didn't keep with it. Um, so I, I don't have my clinical registration anymore. I've moved into health service management now. But, uh, you know, seeing a lot of the other podiatry runners in, around Australia, there's, you know, I think it's really good for, for the profession and for running in general that we've got people like, you know, Tom DeCanto and Michael, yeah. Michael Nitschke and uh, Matty Clark and, and all those guys. It's... Um, and also a lot of local runners as well. Like we've got um, Jack Salcedo. He's uh, another um, fellow that I run with in our squad. He's um, coming up to his final year of podiatry now. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. What about, um, I know a triathlete, um, Eamon Ring. He's a, he's a podiatrist. Oh, yeah. Have you come across him? Good runner. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, uh, and Emily as well, another podiatrist. Um, Donker. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I've seen a few guys at the... 
the Queensland Sports Medicine Clinic to one of the Gabba there in Brisbane. Um, I haven't actually known them before seeing them, but they tend to tend to bring out some pretty good times, running times in conversations. I'm not sure mm. you come across those guys. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's definitely good for the sport, good for the profession. Yeah. We've got a lot of people who are passionate about um, not only the clinical side of things, but have a real good understanding of um, yeah, what the, the kind of stresses and challenges that runners face um, just through their own experience as well. Oh, it's fantastic. Hey, Matt, what about um, any other hobbies away from from family commitments, work and, and running? Anything else you do to keep yourself occupied? Um, I've got behind me here, I've got uh, two bikes hanging up on the wall. Yeah. So this is kind of my other hobby. When I was at um, in high school, I used to work in a bike shop and uh, got involved in a bit of competitive cycling as well. I used to do like club races and raced on the velodrome at Dunk Gray down in Sydney and um, so just yeah, working in the bike shop, kind of picked up a few mechanic skills and uh, yeah, just continued those on. So one of my hobbies is uh, fixing up old Colnago bikes that I've picked up just off Gumtree and do them up and yeah, just ride them around for a bit of fun. So. Oh, awesome! Is that for, is that for your um, interest, or you do you do any like buying and selling and stuff on on Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace? Uh, I did for a little bit there, but. Um, yeah, just time kind of escapes me at the moment. I've got a few other things that I've, I've been oh, yeah. doing with the kids as well. So it makes it a bit difficult to kind of lock myself in a gar- in a shed and um, and tinker with bikes. Like yeah, and, yeah. Is that more is that more of like an aesthetic interest and interest in like you know machinery and parts, or is it like perform was it performance based, like to make a really fast bike back in the day? Uh yeah, probably more just the. Um, I mean, the bikes that I've got behind me, these are really old bikes. The one at the top, I think, is a 1999 model. The one down the bottom is a 2002 Colnago. They're yep. old Italian frames. But the thing I like about the Colnagos is the um, just the workmanship in them, the, the paint, like all the airbrushing and things. It's it's like an artwork. So I've got a yeah pretty good appreciation for um, for old old bikes and yeah, just putting them together. It's kind of nice to work. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you're done pretty well then with with your proximity to to bikes in your house to avoid things like triathlons and and bike <laughs> road racing or crit racing too. In in you know more recent years, in the last handful of years, obviously it's been a bit of a hobby. Um, but let's get to the running. You've been you've been running pretty much you know in that last sort of ten years. And we'll get to the times first, and then after that, we'll sort of go through your story from where it all began and, and things like that. You're, so you're now you're now classed as a master or in the masters category for for races. And is that can you explain to us and for even me being in my thirties too, and I haven't done many races on the track, um, where that masters age starts and, and how you get involved in that quickly before I get into the times. Yep. Um, so masters starts from age 30 up. Um, yep. They work in five-year intervals. So um, just last year I moved, or this year I've moved up into the 35 to 39 category. Um, historically, it was the cutoff was 35. It was referred to as veterans, but um, I think they've kind of shifted the uh, the age range down to 30s to help. Um, kind of capture those athletes that might be going through the open ranks, mm. but then um, 
making like giving them support to transition like to keep to continue on with the sport provide competitive opportunities so you know we don't lose them to athletics yeah um, yeah so i mean there's kind of a bit of a, an argument that well should we have a category for 30 to 35 if you know they're still potentially able to compete in the opens but um you know i think it's it's a good thing for the sport giving people the opportunity to um yeah to compete in in age group competition so uh yeah keeps more people interested and oh yeah 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 i agree and but so tell me is it either you're picking to run in a, an event that's um sort of ranks you as a master's athlete or is it like some races you do on the track where you might be competing uh openly so to speak but then you know after after you've done the race that they then class you or group you into masters in results and things mm. like that yeah, so uh, in Queensland, the Queensland Masters Association is a club. So when you do your registration um, through Queensland Athletics, you'll have uh, a club that you sign up with. So I race with uh, and train with, uh, so my registration is with in training. So um, as an Opens uh, athlete, I'll compete under the in training club. Uh, but then also uh, I've got dual registration with, the Queensland Masters Association. So um, if there's like state championships for cross country, then um, like last year, for example, I went and ran the long course open cross country champs. And then a couple of hours later, just for the fun of it, backed up and did the masters comp. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it just gives you, um, like I, I do both, you don't need to do both. You can just do one or the other, um, but it also gives you eligibility for like the association records and um, like awards and things. So, uh, but it's also good for the community. Like I've got a lot of friends in the masters um, who kind of, they follow um, my progress with my running. And a lot of them as well are, are also officials at the track through QA that I constantly see. So it's kind of nice to be a part of the Queensland Masters Association and kind of support them as well for all the, um, all the things that they do for the sport. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I'm sure sure you'll be in there, you know, for a while now going forward. And uh, again, we'll get to that when we finish uh, the interview where you see yourself uh, in many years' time. So have to think about that. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a bit weird though, I guess, being a Masters athlete too because it's uh, like it really wasn't that long ago that I was in the athletics, it seems. It's like yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got memories from, you know, uh, doing all these uh, events as a little athlete and um, then I when I first moved up to Brisbane I sort of got involved in the fun run scene and I was always kind of the youngest like I was the junior of the, the running community and then I went away moved out to the outback for five years and then came back and all of a sudden I was you know one of the oldest in the field like I did the the uni games this this last week gone and in the 5,000 meters there was like seven 37 athletes entered and the next oldest in the fields to me was 12 years younger than me. Wow. They were born in like 90, oh, yeah, 97. And uh, 30 of the 37 were born like after the year 2000. Yeah. It's just when you see birthdays like 2000 onwards, it's just like insane, hey? Makes you feel a bit old. Yeah. yeah that, was a, <laughs> that was a bloody Sydney Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get this, these times. So I'll read out, read out your times that I'm seeing 
on your profile online and then you can just sort of jump in afterwards just, just to let me know if any are wrong. I know sometimes they do miss races, normally for the guys probably at a lower profile than you. Um, so on the track, 800, 159, 1500, 353, one mile. Was that on the track, 416? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, that one. yeah pretty rare in Australia to do one mile on the track. Uh, 301814 when rounded, sorry, mate, uh, 5,000, 14, 15, 10,000, 30, uh, 29, 2,000 and 3,000 steeplechase, 606 and 850 respectively, a 10K on the road, 30, 47, half Mara, um, 66, 26, and at Marathon, 223. Are they all correct from memory? Uh, yes, all correct, yeah. the. Um... It's funny, like I guess with um, with that range as well, people kind of kind of ask me, "What's your what distance do you do? What event do you do?" Yeah, that was my next question. I, yeah, <laughs> I like I always sort of traditionally I've I've seen myself as a marathon runner, like I see myself as being kind of a longer distance athlete. But then I think a lot of the training that we do is kind of tailored towards the shorter stuff and. Mm. The squad that I run with, there's a lot of guys who are sort of 1,500, 3,000-metre runners, and we all do the same thing. Um, and I, I think just doing that speed work, it's given me the ability to run uh, like fast over the shorter distances. And now when you look at kind of the, the I guess, the World Athletics profile, they give you scores for the, each of the times that you're running, like what your top 10 performances are. And pretty much all of my top 10 performances have been over the 3,000 or the 3,000 steeple. So, yeah, I guess kind of the, the steeplechase and the 3,000 seem to be kind of my sweet spot. But, um, yeah, I, I do want to try to build the endurance a bit and get that marathon time down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Of oh, yeah, particularly um, as you're getting older. I, I always compare myself um, age-wise, not ability-wise, to Ellie Kipchoge, being someone who performs so well at the marathon at, uh, I think he's 37 this year. Would that be right? Yeah. Well, 36. Yeah, either yeah, way, he's older than us and still killing it. It's inspiring. So all those times within the last three years to only the one mile on the track in 2018 and end of 2018 too in Sydney. So they've all happened. And then we had cancelled races 2020. So do you still think um, your best runs are ahead of you still, particularly in the half and the marrow? Yeah, definitely in the marathon, I'm, I'm pretty confident I should be able to get a quicker time there. Um, the half, I think I should be able to as well. That half was down in Melbourne and um, uh, I was running with uh, Brady Trellful from Inside Running Podcast. Oh, I think I've seen photos somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was, we were kind of, yeah, running together and it was, um, we were sort of pushing this chase pack that there was a group up the road and somehow like this group went from like five or six people in this group to all of a sudden people just dropping out left right and center and we found ourselves racing for third place and uh we got down to uh this section i was i was in the lead and um, brady was sitting off me and the marathon runners went right and the half marathon runners were supposed to go left but i was kind of just in autopilot and there wasn't really any sort of markings or direction or officials that I could see and I just sort of followed the crowd and he's gone the other way and by the time I realized we've 
I was like 40 meters off course. So had to jump back on and we got down to like the last uh, kilometer and it was, yeah, same thing happened. He ended up on the wrong side of the road and I ended up on the other oh, side. No. Just, just chaos. So it wasn't like, it wasn't probably the fastest. We both of us probably ran a lot further than what we should have or needed to, but we both ended up with our um, half marathon PVs that day. So I definitely think on a, a fast course, when I'm running the right way, I should be able to take that down a bit more. Yeah, right. Is that still his PB, do you know? Uh, I think so, yeah. I should sure know that. He, seem, he seems to um, jokingly boast a lot about himself, doesn't he, on the podcast? I think half of, that, half of it's uh, to rile up um, Julian Spence and um, Croker anyway. But, um, yeah. No, was, yeah, that's interesting. really good, though, like, yeah, after the race, he kind of came up and um, we yeah, had a bit of a chat for a cool down together. So, yeah, he's really nice bloke. Ready. Uh, yeah, that's exciting moving forward. What about off the off those bigger performances and PBs we see on the profile uh, in terms of fun runs, uh, wins or placings you've had, particularly around Brisbane and Queensland fun runs? Um. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I guess like my first real sort of breakthrough run probably would have been Brisbane Marathon back in 2008. Um, so that was, well, it wasn't actually my debut marathon. I've got a story about my debut marathon, but I don't know if that's good enough time for that. But um, yeah, that was a, a real epic battle that I had with this Moroccan runner. Um, we were kind of yeah cat and mouse battling the whole way. And it wasn't a fast time, but uh, I managed to come away with the win there. And that was pretty big for me. Like I was 21, I think at the time in 2008 and uh, yeah, to win the Brisbane marathon, that was kind of like my career highlight at that stage. And then kind of wow. fell away from, from running. No, no Clay Dawson back. at that one? No, I don't know that Clay was running back then. I think that. Mm, yeah. What's that? Sure. 14, 14 years ago. Yeah. That mm. would have been before his time. His time. Yeah. He started pretty late. Yeah. But, got in, got um, in early. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I got in early and then I moved away and then Clay just all of a sudden, he was on the rise down here. I was up in uh, in Longreach and ca came back to Brisbane every now and then, but I put on a lot of weight and was really unfit. And I um, put up a message. There was the Queensland Half Marathon that was on and I was staying in Brisbane for like a conference or something and said, oh, is anyone able, like, is anyone coming past this way or driving out that I might be able to give a lift with? And um I didn't know Clay at the time, but he sent sent me a message and said, "Yeah, we'll come and pick you up." So, um, oh yeah, he that's and right. came out and yeah, they they came and picked me up in, in the car and drove me out. And I think he ended up on the podium that day. Like I would have been probably lucky if I was under eighty minutes, but uh, yeah, no, that was kind of probably the first time that I I've met Clay. Yeah, and I did know that. I think did you send me an Instagram message about that? One of you guys did. Mm. Yeah, right. Well, so what about if I just list off a few Brisbane fun runs to see if you've been involved in these or placed in these, like um, G to Jetty, C to South when it was around, um, even the Twilights, the Mother's Day run, any others that I'm missing, Sunshine Coast or Gold Coast, any of those that you've placed at? Yeah, I've done all of them. Um, uh, I, I think uh, I won Twilight a few years ago, but... Um, now, aside from that, I've probably either been maybe lucky to, to jag a third place or or just sitting off, off the podium. There's, there's been a few fun runs that I've picked up a bit of prize money and, and things from, but uh, I don't know, in Brisbane, it's pretty competitive. Uh, there's, um, 
a lot of people chasing some of these these fun ones. So it's often difficult to get on the podium for a few of them. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Radio. So that sort of summarises your, uh, your times around uh, the, the runs on the track and the road. But what about if we move back to the start? Um, where 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 did running actually come into your life? Um, was it primary, high school? Were you competing? Um, what about like how you were brought up, parents into running um, or, or sportier in terms of their backgrounds? Where did it start for you? Yeah, it was um, just purely, uh, I guess, a, a, a lot of um, stars aligned, I think. I was probably, uh, there was every predisposition against me to, to getting into running. My parents at all were just um, not really at all sporty people, had no sort of interest or knowledge of sport, didn't know the first thing about how to support a, a young runner. I remember going to um, a shoe store with my mum. She tried so hard to, to help me out and, and look after me and help me get um, to sort of follow um, this dream. But we went to the sports store and my first pair of running shoes, I think we ended up getting like a pair of women's tennis shoes because they were the only ones that fit me and they were like <laughs> these really heavy cross-training things. But both of us, like we just had no idea. Um, so... I guess getting into running, um, my grandparents, they were always pretty active. Um, like they did lots of bushwalking and um, when we were kids, they'd always sort of take us out and about and they were fairly active. And one day um, my, my nana and pop, they said to me, well, do you want to come and do the city of the surf with us? So this was when I was eight years old and um, I went, yep, sounds great. They took me out and uh, we did they drove us along the course to start with and said, look, there's going to be a lot of people there. If you get lost, then don't worry. This is you know, where we need to meet at the end. So anyway, that night I had these grand dreams, this vision that I was going to win the sea of the surf as an eight-year-old. I had no idea, absolutely no concept of, of what it was, but uh, that was it. I was going to win the sea of the surf. Anyway, we got to the start line and I realised then that like the starting structure you've got the runners at the front, there's like the, the seated runners, the, the red group, the blue group, the yellow group. And my nana, she was in the blue group. So I was in the blue group with her and we were like rows and rows and rows back. So I was just absolutely ready to go on race morning. And I'm there with my nana and the gun goes off and it's like 20 minutes before we start moving. So I'm like jumping up and down on the spot, running backwards. Yeah. Come on now, let's go, let's go. And we got a kilometre in and my nana just said, oh, look, you know the way, you know where to meet us, just go ahead. Um, as an eight-year-old, like Levi's six and two years from now, I can't imagine ever oh. letting him go by himself um, amongst, you know, 50,000 odd other people, probably would have been at the time. But, uh, yeah, no, I kept going and um, got to the finish line. I think the first one I ended up running in like 92 minutes and, I've done it every year since. So um, started off in 1995 and uh, I'm up to, yeah, like 27, 27 in a row, I think. Oh, that's all. Actually, I've got a question about it coming up. So we'll, um, we'll delve into that. Um, so, so what about uh, competing then? Primary school, school? Did you get into competing after that initial experience at Sea to Surf? Yeah, well, I guess after that first one, it was something that I really enjoyed. Um, I did, like, I didn't know anything about 
sport or how to train or anything that I um, did like the local athletics carnival, the local cross, the, um, the school cross country carnival. And I was really, um, there was something about like the, the point system, like the house system that we had. It really just, I don't know, it resonated with me. I, the concept of scoring points through participation and performance, I was just all about it. So at the athletics carnival, I did every event there was, like I was doing shop foot, the, um, yeah, like the sprint distances, the, the long distances. And I think, yeah, I kind of found that I seemed to do the best in the longer distances, the cross country and things. So I asked um, some of the guys that were kind of finishing ahead of me about athletics and they were doing little athletics at the time. I had no idea what little athletics was. And it was, um, they didn't they didn't want to tell me about little athletics. I remember at the time they didn't want to tell me because they were worried that if I did little athletics that I was going to start beating them. So I asked my parents about little athletics and they signed me up and started doing that. And um, yeah, just absolutely loved it. Kept going with it. And um, from that point, it just became a part of what I did um, with when I was, I think maybe in year three, I somehow convinced my mum to let me start running to school. So we lived three kilometres away from the local primary school and uh, I'd get, get ready for school, give my bag to my mum. She'd take it um, with my brother and sister. They'd jump in the car. And so I'd run three kilometres and there was like this electrical box just out the front of our school. And I used to sit there every day um, after I'd run to school and just wait for mum. And to get to school, I'd run past the local high school and all the kids in year seven who knew me, they would yell out, run, Aiden, run. And uh, that just became like, the tradition I did that every day when I was at primary school and just through yeah I guess that the the consistency the repetition I managed to get reasonably good so I was never good at like a at say like a state level or anything but within my school and like my community I was kind of towards sort of the the front of uh, of all the the races and things but um yeah i think as i moved into high school that's when i think i started to get a bit better and where so where were you based at this time were you living in the same area through this time of schooling yeah so i grew up in um, western suburbs of sydney so i was in prospect went to blacktown south um, public school and, yeah um, yeah that was grew up down there all my family down there and and after I finished high school I moved um, down to Wagga did a year down there and then moved up to Brisbane. Yeah right so then in terms of representing at a, a regional state or national level what did that look like in high school? Um, well in primary school I never like I never really uh, didn't like I did well at um, the local school comps but then I had this teacher um, who she's kind of scarred me a bit. Um, she was the sports teacher, um, but also the teacher for the, um, what are they like the, the gifted academic students as well. And I was in yeah. her class and she just had this vendetta against me. I don't know what it was, but um, she was adamant that I was too focused on running and that I needed to just forget about running and focus on school. And that opposition, like that, that pressure against me um, I really like I really uh, fired up against it so we didn't really get on very well but um, 
I had, there was this school cross country carnival um, that we had and I ended up winning the cross country carnival. It was like a few laps and I, I lapped everybody in, in the race except second place and, uh, and, and easily won the race. Um, but we had like the school athletics carnival and the school swimming carnival and like I used to do all the events and things as well. And we got to the end of the year uh, for the school presentation and um, they announced like the age group winners for the athletics champion and the swimming champion and the cross country champion. And they called out the athletics champion and they called out my name, I'd won that. And so I stood up, went up, got my award and then they called out the award for the, the swimming champion. And I thought, it would surely it wasn't going to be me because I was a terrible swimmer. I couldn't swim to save my life, but I did all the events and things. But no, sure enough, I, I ended up winning the school swimming champion award as well. So I went up, got the swim, swimming award, and then they announced the school cross country champion award. And I'd won the state cross country, oh, sorry, the school cross country um, race. So I, they went to announce what I thought was going to be my name. I was already halfway out of my seat to walk up to the stage to collect the prize. And um, she's announced the fellow that came second in the race. Oh, no. I've gone, wait a second, what's going on here? This, this isn't right. So, uh, I, and then I realized that he was a really good swimmer. So I thought, well, what must have happened is he must have won the prize for the swimming age champion and they've just got it around the wrong way. Oh. So I, I went, okay, well, I'll go up afterwards and I'll have a chat to her about it. So I went up and she said, no, I'm busy. Don't speak to me now. Come and see me tomorrow. So I waited patiently um, the next day. And she, so she was my teacher and waited till recess and went up to her at recess and said, oh, miss, I think um, there might have been a mistake with the awards from the, from the ceremony last night. And uh, she said, no, there wasn't any mistake. Um, you won the award for the swimming carnival because you participated in all the events. Um, but for the cross-country carnival, uh, the fellow that came second, he picked up some rubbish and got some extra points oh. for his house. And because of that, he won the school cross-country champion. And then she gave, she started giving me this lecture about how I shouldn't put so much um, you know, emphasis on sports and that I should and then instead focus on my schoolwork. And that I think that was a really defining moment for me in my life because you know, up until that point, I'd always seen adults as being like, as being right or like really, you know, people that you could look, look up to and, and trust. And that was the first time I went, hang on a second, that is objectively wrong and that's unjust. Like what you're saying here is, is not right. So um, it kind of, I don't know, it lit within me this spark, this flame where I, I respond quite well to opposition or criticism or someone telling me I can't do something. Um, I tend to then, it just, yeah, it, it pushes me to, uh, to prove them. Yeah. <laughs> and did he pick up rubbish during the race? Oh, I think it might've been afterwards. It might've been like while I was sitting oh. in their, their house. Oh, I don't know. It was yeah. silly, but... oh, being a teacher, I see, I can see both sides. I, I see being a being a runner and being competitive like yourself. I definitely see more so your side. Um, yeah. So the, what about the worst like, thing was? Yeah, you with, go. Sorry. Um, with her after that, like I um, I'd applied for uh, a high school. So down in Sydney, they had um, 
they had this sports high school, Westfield Sports mm. High, and it was really sort of um, highly regarded as being like the place to be if you were really passionate about you know, sport, that you'd go there. And um, I put in an application for the school and um, went and did the testing day. And all of my uh, results and the, uh, from the testing day, they were kind of at a level that, that should have got me in. But as part of the application process, you needed to have a referral from your teacher, from your primary school. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to rely on her to give me <laughs> the referral. And, um, no way. And as a result of that, I missed out. So from year seven, eight, yeah, seven and eight, I went to the local um, high school and it was only after I could sort of demonstrate mm. academic performance and get some support from the teachers there that I then reapplied for Westfields and, and got in for it afterwards. Yeah, okay. So once you hit like senior schooling, year 11 and 12, uh, we've become a bit stronger at this point and kind of considering that this might be a thing I'll continue yeah. as I get older. Yeah, I had some really good support at Westfields, like um, Dan Suchi, who is, he was the academic coordinator um, at the time and still is. Like I bumped into him at a race uh, on the Gold Coast last year and um, he's still at Westfield Sports High and he's still got his athletes yeah. there. So he was great. He, um, he just has such a passion for his athletes. I was never one of the... Um, I was never one of the top performing athletes in the squad at the time, like in the school at the time. There was you know, a lot of um, a lot of the kids that went to Westfields were sort of at the world juniors level. But you know, I might have been lucky if occasionally I picked up um, like a third or fourth place at state champs. Um, and uh, at the time, we had a few coaches in the early years that had come through Westfields, but um, James. Uh, James Fitzgerald, uh, Jim, Jimbo uh, was the um, the distance coach uh, sort of for the majority of the time there, and and he was quite good. He was uh, really just encouraged us to have fun, enjoy the sport, didn't push us too hard, and um, yeah, we had a good little squad there that sort of um, yeah we did all our training out at the school and out at the Olympic Park. Oh, that's great. And then so within about what four years you'd won that brisbane marathon 2008 did, had you did you finish school in 2004 yeah 2004 i graduated um after i finished i kind of um yeah again sort of fell away from the sport i moved down to wagga uh, and did a bit of cycling did a bit of swimming did a bit of social running um this was going back to the story of my debut marathon, actually, uh, it was my first year of uni as well, living away from home and just fell out of all running routines. So I was really unfit. But um, we were at a, a uni night, like probably at the pub or something, and was having a chat to a few people. And someone mentioned that the Wagga to Juni uh, to the Wagga Marathon was on in two weeks' time. And I went, I'm a runner. And this is like a local running event. This is great. Righto, I'm going to do, I'm going to, to run the journey to Wagga Marathon. Anyway, two weeks, like no training at all, rocked up on the start line and uh, sort of took off. The gun went off and um, the pace to start with, I just remember being so slow. I thought, this is we can't run 42 kilometres at this pace. So I thought, I'm not hanging around here. Took off, uh, off the front, had absolutely no idea what I was doing and um, managed to amass like a 
huge gap over the first 10 kilometers. That stage, I'm feeling pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, got to 20 kilometers and then absolutely just hit the wall. Wheels fell off. Um, and I remember, like, it was just, I, I couldn't go on. I, I caught up with uh, a friend who was on one of the drink stations and he had a spare chair next to him. And I just went and sat down with him and just went, no, nah, I'm cooked, I'm done. And, I'm out and uh, sat down and, and had like finished off half a bag of lollies with him. And then probably 20 minutes later, I went, right, maybe I'll, I'm, I've got to get to the finish line somehow. So I kind of walked jogged the rest of the way. But my debut marathon was uh, four hours, 59 <laughs> minutes and like 50 seconds or something. So managed to break the five hour mark. But... Hey, what about your 10K and half marrow split? Were they half decent or less? Uh, I don't think they would have been actually in hindsight. Like I was pretty unfit. So, uh, and this, had you known like how even how long the marathon was back then that it was forty two point uh, two kilometers? No, no, no idea. The longest yeah. I'd done was maybe a half marathon just for fun while I was at school at that stage. So, no, no yeah, concerns. right. And had you did you then move to Brisbane within? finishing school and, and that, that Brisbane Marathon went in 2008? Yeah, so I did a year of medical science in, um, in Wagga and then moved up to, to Brisbane after that in 2006. So yeah, and share, share and, housing um, or did, had you met, yeah, met your wife by then? or No, share houses. I've been in, yeah, like so many different share houses in Brisbane from, yeah, just moving around from, from place to place but uh, no, I met my Peter up in um, well, we met at church here in Brisbane so we go to a, a church over at QT and um, uh, the church had only just started up it was very new a lot of uni students were there like a lot of young adults and I bumped into a, um, a couple of times but we were in different groups and it was only when I moved up to Mount Isa I had no idea that she'd grown up in Mount Isa and her family were up there oh okay and I was up I was up there one day and just, yeah, bumped into her. And I think actually she might have sent me a message on Facebook and said, I didn't know you were in, in Mount Isa. And, uh, yeah, we caught up and got married. So. Yeah, wow, that's an um, interesting story. And then who were you training with uh, as well when you came to Brisbane? Were you doing solo stuff or do you have any faster mates or like a more formal group you were running with? Yeah, so when I moved up from... Um, from Wagga, I pretty much just threw everything into my car, had no idea, um, kind of had a bit of a habit of just impulsive decisions. Um, so got offered this position, this um, spot at QT for podiatry, threw everything into my car, had no, my grandparents begged and pleaded me not to, um, to drive all the way in one go. They gave me money for accommodation and said, please stay somewhere halfway along the way. Um, and I got to Byron Bay and thought, no, I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good. So I kept driving through and then got to Brisbane, had no accommodation, no plans. So there was a, a caravan park in Newmarket. And I oh, stayed in yeah, the, I know the Newmarket. one. On, yeah. the, um, on the corner there, Rouchgrove Avenue. And uh, what's yeah. that main road called? Anogra Road there, is it? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, probably. The one opposite the big um, Newmarket shops. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I grew up there and... My mates and I'd always joke about it being like just a weird like holiday destination. Not that you were holiday. Yeah, why but... would you go and camp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so I I um I stayed there for the first two weeks I was in Brisbane. Um 
yeah, I was just looking for a place to stay. Found a share share house up in um, in Gaythorne and was living living there for a while. But um, there was a running shop that was um, just around the corner in Inogra, the Run Inn. So oh, that was owned by Phil. Yeah, I remember Phil the one. Yeah, my dad loved yeah. it. Yeah. So it's been demolished um, since. But yeah, as someone that loved running, it kind of, you know, I was just drawn to it, went in and said good day to Phil. And, oh, um, is that Phil Rutherford? Phil Hungerford, yeah. So he's uh, Hungerford, he's is it? Race director. Yeah, race director for Bribey Try and uh, yeah, yeah, I think I know the guy. I think he moved to Stafford. It wasn't yep. um, necessarily the run in there, but I think he had a shop there or still does. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, it was the run in. Yeah, I think he's he's packed up the shop now, but he he's uh, I think retired from that, but he still does a bit of race driving yeah. and stuff with Bribey Try. Yeah, no, so I went in and had a chat with him, and and he gave me a job there, and. Um, so that was it. It was an Astics shop, and um, yeah, that's I guess as a podiatrist, I was able to then yeah work with runners and, nice. and sell some shoes. And, yeah, but yeah, I was working there for um, a year or two, and then uh, I started doing a bit of training with. Um, I bumped into Pat Clohessy's squad out at UQ, yeah, and started doing a bit of um, bit of running with them. So like guys like Peter Noll and Nick Lorenz and Danny Russell and um yeah marcus brown and yeah nick hudson all those guys so uh they had this awesome squad and yeah just i learned so many things like i really i i didn't know much about running at the time but just the things that i learned through yeah just running with the group and, and learning off them and sort of copying imitating the things that they did i picked up a lot along the way yeah right and then yeah, so through through that win at Brisbane Marathon, was there a, a gap there in your running time where um, you didn't fall off the rails, but you spoke about earlier becoming a bit more overweight, not running as much. And I do recall you posting a – was there a photo on your Instagram at some point, like one of those um, like then and now comparison photos of you? And I think I actually comment, commented on it at the time. And – I think I said something like, was this before you started running? And I think you responded with it, something along the lines of it being, yeah, just kind of a, an interlude in that in, in your middle. life and running yeah. career where uh, you weren't doing that as much running. Yeah, it's definitely been, I guess, kind of a, a gradual progression. I, I don't think that I've really, up until probably 2015, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've ever really pushed myself to my absolute capacity um i might have gotten close when i was building up for brisbane marathon but even then brisbane marathon my maximum weekly mileage was only like maybe 120 140 so i've never and i didn't have the consistency over like several years of sort of stream and back to back so um yeah it's only really been in recent years that i think i've started to reach my full potential just through stringing together consistent training sessions consistent weeks months and years yeah okay so you've always you have always been running but was that just a time where you weren't running as much um yeah, and, and sort of lost the, in, the drive and passion yeah in long reach there wasn't really i mean we had a few sort of social clubs and social runs and things but i might have been running maybe once a week if i was lucky there was probably a couple oh, wow. of months there where i just wasn't running at all um 
ever I've always done like the super surf, but um, yeah, there's probably been a couple of years there where I wasn't training for it all at all. So. Yeah. Okay. Any idea of um, how much you sort of weighing then and weighing now? Was that something you don't measure? Uh, it probably would have been about 20 kilos heavier than compared to now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's different. Um, the training environment or where you live can be quite impactful, can't it? Particularly if there's other options around you that are maybe pulling you away from the sport. Yeah. And I th- Talk to us quickly about meant- how you, how, how did you feel like day to day mentally, sort of emotionally, all those things when you weren't running as much? Has it now made you look back at it thinking, even though you compete a lot and race that it really does help for that for everyday life. Yeah. I definitely think there's benefits just from like a mental health perspective with running. Um, you become a lot more resilient, I think. Um, and just like the hormonal balances and things, I guess it's uh, mm. being able to get out and go for a run in the morning, run in the afternoon. You kind of, it's something to look forward to. You kind of get that runner's high um whereas yeah i guess when i wasn't running i wasn't sort of getting that as much Um, yeah yeah and um so drinking or anything like that or simply not Mm. training yeah just not training i don't know yeah i've never really sort of been a a big drinker Mm. um yeah yeah so let's um Let's get then to the in-training side of things because when I interviewed Clay Dawson, um, and as many know, he's got that affiliation with in-training, but you're another one. Um, and I think my bio for him had had described him as or had written something along the lines of when you think of in-training, you think of Clay Dawson. And I remember just mm-hmm. sort of typing it in thinking I could easily put a slash here after Clay and just insert the name Maiden Hobbs. So what's your background with them and where did it all start? you within training Mm. um well after when i was working with uh with phil at the the run-in um that was kind of through my first year of podiatry and then as i moved into the second year of podiatry um the first year is kind of just like general sciences so we don't for the first year we don't even touch feet so there's no no foot related stuff at all um aside from like we do anatomy and things but um no sort of clinical work the second year we start to see patients and we kind of start to look at the sports podiatry stuff. And that was the first time that I'd met Steve Manning. Um, sort of seen him around at a few fun runs here and there, but Steve was really um, quite passionate about supporting young podiatrists and through the shop. Um, so uh, Steve Manning's the, the founder, director of, of in training, um, both the shop and the, the running club and um they'd been offering uh, students um, of podiatry uh, like a scholarship, uh, an arrangement where you would apply for this um, this award, the Sports Podiatry Award, and each year they'd, they'd have one success, successful applicant and they would pay for like all our textbooks, they'd give us a job in the, the shop, um, provide us with like mentoring support and um and things so we'd, we'd learn how to make orthotics there at the clinic and so yeah I, I was uh, awarded that um that scholarship and went and started working with steve and it was good because it kind of gave me um an insight as to what podiatrists do in in running uh running context and and also seeing the work that that steve did in organized like event management so organizing fun runs and things so 
yeah. I guess that's how I kind of came to know Steve and got involved in the club. That would have been back in 2007. Oh, okay. And did you ever work in that in-training shop in Milton? Yep. Yeah. yeah how many, how many years were you there for? I was there from 2007 to 2009. So I used to work um, uh, outside of uni hours, but it would have been probably regularly the Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday shifts. So spent a lot of time with Doug and uh, Ricky Swindale on the floor. We had some good good weekends together. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then what about uh, with Clay, Clay Dawson? You guys have run a lot, uh, like, competing-wise. Have you trained much with him? Um, are you guys quite close? What's that relationship been like? And has he, has he inspired you in any way with the running he does? Obviously, all the ultra stuff's a bit different to what you do, but what, what um, have you learned off Clay? Yeah, we've got a couple of group chats um, just through like in training. And um, I also keep uh, across what the Nancy guys are doing because uh, Chris Reeves, he was a lot of his um, coaching philosophy comes from uh, Pat Clahessy. Yeah. So there's kind of yeah, a bit of overlap with that as well. But yeah, Clay's come out for a few runs with us. I mean, he's out at Ipswich, but he, he whenever he's in Brisbane, like he, he can send us a message and he's come and joined us for a few long runs and things. But I think, yeah, we're very different runners um, in that I'm probably more like speed-based, shorter stuff. Yeah. And um, he's definitely, he's an absolute diesel machine over the longer stuff. Yeah. I remember he came out for a long run um, a while back and he just, he doesn't tire. Like he's just got this, this pace that he sets into and he can just hold that for like, yeah, 100K. It's... Uh, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's um it's interesting. I just wanted to move on to something a little bit different, and this this kind actually came up in the interview with Clay, and we, we spoke about uh, park runs and park runs, particularly around um, Queensland, and and you, oh, no, he he mentioned he was like the fun run guy, and I joked to him about you possibly being the park run king of Brisbane. <laughs> um, so can you talk to us about like how many park runs have you done? Uh, how many records you still may hold around um, the southeast corner and maybe which one is your favourite that you've done? Mm, oh, good questions. Um, I don't know exactly how many I've done. I think I'm in the 100 clubs. So I've done more than 100. Um, in terms of records, uh, as of last week or this weekend gone, it was at 23 course records. However, the problem with that number is that each weekend it can change. Um, every now and then I'll just get like this huge uh, email list of notifications from Strava saying someone's broken course record and um, it means that I've kind of, I've got to go back and chase it. I was just up in Townsville recently and um, one that I had a few years ago, Applin's Weir, was taken off me. So while I was up for a wedding, I went out and made sure that I got that one back. Um, but, you know, parkrun, I'm, I'm a really big fan of parkrun. Um, so in my work, I, I work in um, population health and uh, public health, and um, I've got a real interest in uh, environments that help um, facilitate healthy lifestyle behaviours. So um, providing um, opportunities for people to get more active, to, um, to participate in physical activity, and I think parkrun, the philosophy that underpins that is it's just perfect for, for everyone. Um, regardless of who you are, 
whether it's someone like me um, up the front that just enjoys being able to, to chase down times and records, or if you're at the back um, looking at just being able to, to, to say that you, you could get through five kilometres. Um, park runs for everyone. And um, when I was up at Applin's Weir for that, that race or the park run that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago, I caught up with one of the tail, the tail walkers, um, one of the lady who was at the back and she put up a thing on Facebook afterwards. Um, she said it was great to be able to, to see the, the person that came home first. And I had a chat with her afterwards and we, we talked about park run tourism and things. And, you know, just through that, we had that in, in common and we were able to yeah, have a good discussion about it. But I think one of my favorite photos um, from park run was I brought my mum and dad out to park run. I mentioned before that my mum and dad are like complete opposites of sporty people. They just, they're, they're not sporty at all, but I managed to convince them to, uh, to come out to park run. And my mum, when she was young, she had uh, hydrocephalus. So she had a shunt put in her, her neck and um, she has like real balance issues. So to get around, she has to walk with a, a walking stick and she went, no, I'm going to come and do park run with you. So, I walked with the pram with the two kids in, and she was uh, walking along with the walking stick. And yeah, we got through um, got through the, the whole distance. And yeah, just got this awesome photo at the end of her just with this big smile on, on her face and me there walking with the kids. And I just thought that's that's what park runs about. You know, park runs for everyone. Oh, it's great. It, and it's, it's interesting to hear that because, um, you know, you have won a lot of them and got and got a lot of records through doing so. To hear that, You've really got an interest in what it actually offers uh, the community as well, and that can be hard too. Um, I gather as an elite runner to, to kind of see the impact that running can have on on others. And I think when you when you do go and do those park runs as a stronger runner, you can you can witness that and be a part of that. So the next thing I want to sort of stem off that is to, is the whole concept and idea that. Um, yeah, you have got all these these rec these park run records. You've, run, you've obviously won a few runs around, fun runs around Brisbane, and have always been, you know, I throw this title of the king of Brisbane, or uh, you know, definitely a stronger Brisbane runner. How does it feel though when you're still like you're such an amazing runner, but you're still that just that sort of few minutes from the top when you look at events and things to be really competitive in Australian running? Does it does it inspire you simply to get better and better as an individual and to see where it takes you? Or is there any frustration uh, involved when you're not hitting the mark right at the top of Australian running? Yeah, it's, um, it's something that yeah, it doesn't at all bother me. I, I guess I look at um, the value that I get from running. I don't sort of, I don't get it from, the reward isn't in beating other people, but rather mm. seeing what I can do. And, yeah. um, and I guess it's always going to be relative. Like there's going to be people who are a couple of minutes ahead of me, you know, in Brisbane or Australia that, um, you know, they're then going to have people who are a couple of minutes ahead of them at a world mm. stage. So, you know, unless you're at the top of the top of, uh, of the world in, in your discipline, there's always going to be someone better. Um, I, I think if that, if you let that bother you or if, if you kind of, if you put your identity or your the, the value that you got from the sport in those things, then you're just kind of setting yourself up to for a lot of disappointment. Oh yeah, no, you can definitely 
when you start running and you've had a background in it and, you, and you're pretty good at it, you can have these kind of naive sort of uh, dreams and hopes that one day, oh, yeah, I may be the best because you, you start yeah. to become closer and closer. But then, yeah, you may see that plateauing in times and that kind of thing. Um, and I even think of myself, and I'm, I'm average at best as a runner, but I just remember starting to get back into it in my mid-20s thinking, oh, I've got the world ahead of me here. You know, I'm mid-20s and I was, I was half decent at school. Maybe if I keep going at it, I can get towards the top. And then I started to realise similar things to you that I really feel like, and post-school too, because school can be quite competitive to other runners and, and other schools in what you do. But as you become an adult, I think it's important to recognise that it's really, it's you against you as you, mm. as you push yourself and see see what you've got, particularly now as, as you start to age into the later 30s and 40s to see what you have in those ages as well. And, 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 and there's going to be a point at some time where the plateauing will be literally plateauing and then getting no faster. I think there's a lot of benefit though in the competition. Um, it's definitely one of the things that has helped me uh, raise the bar in my own performances is that you know, I've, I started off, when I, when I first got back into running in 2015, um, the first run that I remember doing was with, um, like, Bracco and all those guys. We went out to a park mm. run out at Petrie, um, Petrie Park Run. I think it was the first, um, like, first event that they had. And I was flat out 100% um, running 1856, I think, was my time back then. Jeez. So that was, like, yeah, just everything I had, I was like on the ground afterwards, but then through going along to park runs and, you know, getting involved in the QA races each week, I would kind of you know, gradually sort of move up and having all those other people around me that I could kind of sit on and get dragged along with like the guys that I'm training and racing with now, like Callum Davies, he's still, you know, way in front of me, but uh, being able to just sit off him and get dragged along, there's no way that I'd be able to run the times that I have without having like depth of, of quality of, of runners that we've got in Brisbane at the moment. So having people around you that kind of raise the bar and, and by going with them, you get more out of your performances than, than what you would if you were just trying to do it by yourself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Callum's, he's running so well, isn't he, at the moment? And what about injuries? Have you been pretty lucky with injuries? You seem to be quite consistent in your training over the years. Yeah, I've had a few niggles, um, but yeah, luckily I've, I've managed to avoid, I guess, major injury. There was, after the 2019 Gold Coast Marathon, I had this really persistent um, uh, tip post tendonitis type thing. I think it was just, yeah, it was um, just causing me a lot of grief um, to the point where I went over and did a marathon over in Kobe and uh, I had to well, just kind of stop and walk halfway through because it was causing so many problems that my build-up was really disrupted in the lead up to it. But a couple of months after that, I sort of let it cool, like let it um, heal itself up and it seems to have um, resolved itself. But yeah, earlier this year, I had a few issues, the same foot, but on the outside um, was causing me a bit of grief. But I think um, I'm pretty good at, I guess, knowing my body and knowing the warning signs. And when I start to get the niggle, I'll kind of ease off and let it recover a bit. So 
just by doing that, you kind of learn um, what you, you can get away with. Um, so hopefully you avoid anything sort of catastrophic. But yeah, I haven't had anything that's really knocked me out for more than say like a month or a couple of weeks even. Oh, that's great. And what about your podiatry knowledge? Has that helped as well? Well, yeah, I guess with podiatry, um, you know, I, I did a bit of the sports podiatry stuff when I was at uni, but as soon as I graduated, I went into diabetic foot stuff. So I, um, my knowledge of sports podiatry has just kind of really gone out the window. Um, yeah, it, I wish I'd kind of kept recency of practice with it, but, um, you know, who knows if I was surrounded by like Steve and um, Margot, Doug, um, all the guys that are in training and um, uh, like people like Tom DeCanto and um, Mitter and uh, Matty Clark, then yeah, maybe I would have stayed with it, but yeah, that's right. I chose a different path, but I'm quite happy in population health stuff now. Oh yeah. And, and what, what about then, um, as opposed to physical things, what about like uh, balancing work and those mental, emotional stresses that can kind of, uh, you know, cause a challenge to get out there and run through the week. Like, it seems like you've been consistent with it. I've seen you running to work a lot, even. How do you, how do you fit all your Ks in to the week, particularly being mm. a, a dad and, and, and husband with that work? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I guess it's like, first of all, you work out what are your priorities. Um, so before you start working out like your, your training program and like what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis start with the higher level things like what are your motivations what are your goals what are you prioritizing in your life and um and i guess the way that i look at it is if i can create efficiencies or like running to work's a good example um you know if i need to run 160 kilometers in the week uh, there's no way that I can do that, like run in the morning and then get in a car and then drive to work and then work, get in the car, then drive to training and train. So I look at how can I, you know, two birds, one stone, um, create efficiencies. So that for me means rather than driving, I'll throw on a, a backpack and um, you know, chuck a, a spare shirt and um, work pants and, and just run to work, have a shower when I get there. And um, uh, similarly, I guess with work and with study, like I'm doing some research at the moment. Um, so my PhD is in health service planning, but rather than being sort of completely separate, it's like directly related to the work that I'm doing um, through my, my day job. So uh, if you can create efficiencies where you've got benefits for each of these things, then it's not as hard, like with the kids as well, I'll pretty regularly go out with the running pram or Peter will come out, she'll be on the push bike and have the, um, the trailer with two kids behind and we'll go up to the, the water tower and I'll run laps around and she'll be there with the kids and they kind of follow me along. So you get to spend time with the kids while, the, while you get your run in as well. Oh, that's great. And I assume all the commuting runs are you like getting your easy runs in and your Ks up. And then, and this leads nicely into your running week, which we'll get to at the moment and leading into your races. If you're ticking over the legs to work uh, and covering those easy Ks, wh when and where are you doing your sessions and, and what do they look like? Yep. Um, so we do three main sessions in the week. Uh, the first is on Tuesday out at UQ. So there's a hill just opposite on the other side of the road to the running track. Um, it's affectionately known as Pat Clahessie's Hill. Uh, we do 
all of our sessions are really very much the same. Um, we kind of have these core sessions that we do and we might slightly adjust them depending on um, what we've got coming up and things. But usually it's four by three laps. Each lap is 500 metres. So it works out to be each rep is about 1.5 kilometres on this hill loop. And in total, um, between each rep, we do like a two minute jog. So the session itself, including the recoveries, is about just over seven kilometres. Um, but it's a really good session to build strength. Um, each, like all parts of the hill loops, the, the up, the down, the across, around the corners, they're all done at pace. So you, you're working on your speed. You're not like just sort of switching off once you get to the top or switching off when you run downhill. The pace is on the whole way. And I've found um, that's probably been the most critical session for me in building my strength and resilience as a runner. Um, I know Pat Clahessy and a lot of the older guys, they were really big on making sure that hill sessions were integrated as part of their, their training and, and also cross country as well. So having the ability to quickly adapt, um, to be able to get around corners, have that agility, all those things, I think it's benefited me, not only my strength as a runner, but also steeplechase as well. It's been pretty important. Oh, definitely. And, and um, so the, is the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday set up for the sessions? Yeah. So the Thursday we do a track session. So yeah. usually that's pretty short stuff, um, like four by 300, four by 200. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday is either tempo, uh, park run or a um, monofartlek. Yeah. Okay. Um, and have you learned to, or has your body learned itself to adapt to doing that prior to a long run on a Sunday? I assume your long runs then Sunday. Yeah. Um, usually the Saturday afternoon is just kind of an easy jog around. So that just helps get the legs moving a bit, just shake them out. Um, but even um, between the, the Tuesday and the Thursday, I also do a, a medium long, long run as well. So, partway through the week so I don't know like it you do feel the fatigue I think it's um it's good for like marathon build up you you get to the end of the week and you're pretty um you're pretty well ready for an easy day on Monday but yeah no I, I think um I seem to the the Sunday long runs are usually pretty easy for us we're just jogging along it's it's easy conversation so um there's never usually any trouble backing up from that after the Saturday yeah okay and do you try and incorporate a few hills into the long run yeah, it depends on what we've got coming up, um, I guess. And also depends on how people are feeling as well. Like if, if everyone's feeling a bit flat, then we'll usually look for somewhere flat. Um, we do have this loop that has been handed down from generation to generation through Pat's squads up in Mount Cooper. Um, technically, I don't think that we're supposed to run through there because a lot of it's exclusively mountain bike trails, but usually we're passing a lot of the mountain bike runners, the pace we're going at anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we do try to to uh, incorporate some hills into those long runs as well. Oh, that's great. Um, we're getting close to the end here, actually. Uh, and we'll get into some uh, shorter answered questions uh, very quickly. But I wanted to, um, two things. Firstly, is touch on the sea to surf uh, tradition you've had there. And then just look at what the next year or, or this year rather actually looks like for you. Uh, so yeah. In terms of sea to surf, I just remember seeing years ago um, some bloke wearing a Superman outfit in a, in a photo or video, or it used to be um, publicised, didn't it, on TV? Televised would be the 
correct word. And um, and I think since you've been you've been in that same outfit, or has it always been the same tradition? And and did that stem from that experience as an eight year old? Do you think um, where your grandparents had taken you to the race? What's the uh, the history there and traditions? Yeah, the City of the Surf's always been just a fun run for me. So I've got races that I build up for throughout the year, but the City of the yeah. Surf is just purely oh. fun. Um, one year, I think it might have been like 2006. I I can't even remember the reason why I did it. I was a young uni student at the time, so that probably had something to do with it. I think there was a few other people that had done similar things at the time as well in the City of the Surf, and I must have saw that and went, that's, that's pretty cool, I'm going to do the same. So the first year I actually dressed up as Duffman from The Simpsons. Oh, my yeah. nana helped make a costume. I had like the little Duff beer belt and, and a, the trucker hat and everything. But um, then I thought, oh, it's a, it's a family event and I don't know, like dressing up as a beer um, mascot, probably not ideal. And I got a Superman costume after that. And this Superman costume was this big um, like polystyrene chest and had like padded arms the first year that I did it I didn't take any of the padding out and I just remember cooking in the thing so I ripped out some of the padding the year after that and um, I ran in that outfit for a few years and then I ended up upgrading to like a um, just a bodysuit one that didn't have any polystyrene in it so that's the one I've used for the last um, I don't know probably five or six years yeah right and uh, have you had any uh, any interesting or funny moments at the start line or during the the race and are you running them pretty hard i feel like i've seen times of you running there like they're still pretty quick runs you're doing tempos there or are you just jogging them yeah there was probably a few years there when um it would have been when i was really unfit overweight and just yeah jumped in for the first kilometer and flogged myself um that there was um there was one year actually I did it and there was a, an online forum, um, Cool Running. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've heard of it or... Uh, it rings a bell, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's wrapped up now, so it doesn't exist. But I got a message from someone saying that uh, at the time they'd started up this thread about Superman running the Sea to Surf. And there was just, like, I, by the time I got onto this thread, it was uh, there was all these comments on it. And there were some people who were like, this is great. You know, he gets out there and high-fiving all the kids. But there was a, a lot of other comments that were really quite critical. And um, foremost of those was coming from um, this fella who he was based in um, sort of the area that I was living in at the time. And as I was growing up, he was kind of my idol. Like I looked up to him and uh, he was saying, some pretty like for me at the time it was pretty brutal things like it was my idol I looked up to he was um saying that you know I didn't deserve to be there and that I was making a mockery of the sport and you know um, by dressing up in this this superman costume it was you know it wasn't showing respect to the athletes that deserved to be there and I just remember looking at looking at it and thinking you know, I I, I looked up to this guy he was at all the local fun runs and things that I did and it just really kind of it knocked me for six and at the time like I wasn't running fast there were people there other people jumping in saying oh you know don't worry about Aiden he's only like a 33 minute 10k runner he'll never sort of eventuate 20 oh, and okay. uh, like I mentioned before that I respond really well to criticism <laughs> and people saying that I can't do something so like this just really fired me up and um, 
at the time, uh, Sean Williams, who um, he's a coach down in Melbourne. He's got um, a number of squads sort of in, uh, he had a squad in Sydney at the time as well. He was sticking up for me and he said, look, don't listen to them. Um, he was really supportive. And I, I sent him a message afterwards and said, right, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to start, you know, get back into running again. So I think he really kind of lit the, um, the spark for me and he started writing me some programs. And yeah, it was sort of after that that I yeah, started to build back into it and it was kind of like, I'm, right, I'm going to prove all these people wrong. So last year I, I did it in the Superman costume and yeah, I came ninth across the line out of 80,000 or something. That was in 2019. So. Oh, all right. What'd you run about? 30, 30, well, yeah, 31. Uh, 40, 44, I think it was. Oh, hang on. I'm thinking, I'm, yeah, I'm way off there because I'm thinking of a 10K. Yeah, 14K. Um, yeah, 14K. Yeah, so what, what sort of pace yeah. is that for the listeners that you're running at to get that? Oh. I'm not sure what the pace would have been, but the sea of the surf course, it's um, pretty it's notorious as yeah. being a really yeah, undulating hilly course. So it probably pace-wise, it wouldn't have been like, uh, fast relative to a flat course, but, you know, I had to work pretty hard to to, to get into the top 10. So. Oh, yeah, and no, I think the place tells us enough there. Um, and, yeah, finally, I just wanted to get to what you're looking at for this year in terms of racing. Um, I assume Gold Coast would be on your radar. Um, any other fun runs you're, you're planning towards or track races? Um, yeah, Gold Coast is probably the big one. Um, I'll do the cross-country season, so, yeah, state champs and hopefully maybe see how we go national champs. Um, but, yeah, Gold Coast Marathon is the next real big one. Gold Coast Marathon, yeah. And, and like you said earlier, you're training with, with how much variety you've got in, and, in it. It mu must give you that opportunity to to race for any kind of a distance and then also surface like with cross country being on anything really grass and gravel and that kind of thing. Um, oh, that's, that's good. Looking forward to um, seeing you there. I'll be in the half marathon um, myself. So yeah, I know it's a busy day, but yeah, looking forward to how you fare there. Uh, yes. Final 10 questions. If you haven't seen them before on the previous episodes, basically are, are supposed to be one sentence answer. Some of the, interviewees have struggled a bit speaking for one sentence. I think they really enjoy sitting here talking about running, uh, to be honest with yep. you, and then find it hard to adapt at the end after telling all the stories. But um, that's the plan. And they should be pretty relevant, I hope, to you and what I know of you, Aiden. So first one goes like this. Um, it's about park run. What, what is your favourite park run of all time in Australia? Oh, that's, I, I like all of them. Each, each one has, you know, Features. Uh, one word answer for Sandgate. Sandgate Championships. You can't get past it. Yeah, fast one. Fast and flat one there with the reputation of Bert and other quick runners running there. Still, uh, traditionally, I think, each year. Uh, number two, most influential person to you in your running over the years, whether it be friend, family, or coach? Oh. Um, Pat Clohersey has been a real... Um, prominent figure but um, you know John Purcell um, who kind of does the crux of my my coaching at the moment um, they've really led me in um, getting to where I am uh, Brendan Press as well he was the one that really sort of dragged me along and pushed me along getting back into it um, uh, they're one word it's a one word answer so there's too many people <laughs> but um, yeah I think and also the people that um that told me that I couldn't. Um, I think that's probably been the the real, 
yeah, drive that the thing that keeps me going when people say, no, you can't do that or you shouldn't be here or you're in the B race as opposed to the A race. That tends to be when I perform. Yeah. Best. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult question. I'm surprised Brendan Press's name hasn't come up actually um, mm. in the interview, considering his background and your connection with him. Um, favorite running distance, not the one you're necessarily best at, or it could actually uh, coincide with that. What's your favorite running distance? Probably steeplechase. Yeah, so 2,000 or 3,000 steeplechase? 3,000, yeah. They don't yep. give us too many opportunities to run the two. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is sad because the 2,000s, they count towards uh, your recognised rankings. So they're, they're fast and furious. It's a good way to start off the season. But, um, yeah, they don't let us run them too many times. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and the favourites, uh, Brisbane Fun Run, and that can obviously extend to the, the Gold Coast or Sunny Coast. Oh, Gold Coast is pretty iconic. Um, mm. Yeah, they look after a lot of the local um, uh, local Australian athletes as well. Like Ryan, he's, he's a good bloke. Um, I enjoy catching up with him each year. Um, yeah, Gold Coast, I think. Excellent. Uh, current running shoes for all the training types and races that you do? Oh, um, I don't know that I can pick one because I just wear anything and everything, really. Oh, right. Um, You're pretty you flexible. Know, got, yeah, so racing shoes, you know, I've, I've got the super shoes and the, the super yeah. spikes and things. But um, in terms of training, I, I think the, the most important thing for me is variety. Um, the variation of not sort of just adapting to one type of shoe, um, but constantly forcing my body to adapt to, to different types of shoes for different types of training and uh yeah, I, I switch it up. Oh, it's interesting. Um, another selection of a favourite item. This one I've seen in photos of you wearing uh, a range of different sunglasses as a runner. Any pair of sunglasses that stand out as your favourite or like just memorable when you look back at these photos in years to come? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that too much. I've got, um, I've kind of got my racing sunglasses, like the yeah, wraparound yeah. Oakley yeah. type things. Uh, they're good for the track. They 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 don't bounce, and like you can get good visibility and things with them. But um, the Gouda sunglasses in training stock them as well. They're really good just because they're they're cheap, but they're really good quality. Like the good uh, anti glare, and they look pretty cool as well. So yeah, I don't know. Gouda's Gouda glasses are pretty good. Oh, great. Um, okay, this one you might have to have your best guess at it, or you've done a rep close to it or even a time trial, if you were to run a 200 metre or 400 metre race right now, what time do you think you could get for both of those distances? Oh, I don't know. It would be a pure guess. I actually did a 400 metre race at the Uni Games last week. Oh, four by oh, four. oh, it was 400, yeah. What did you get? Yeah, I don't know what my split was, and it was literally 15 minutes after I'd just come across the line of a 5,000 at the very end of three days of competition. So if I were to guess, I might've been around maybe like a 56 or a 57, maybe a 57. Um, I think I could get down to a 54 maybe, but I'm not known for my speed. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, sure. and 200 metres? 200 metres, would, would you 200. maybe um, 24, I, 25? Uh, in training, I've hand time splits of 25. I've gotten down to high 25, 26. 
yeah, high 25 I've done once or twice, but yeah, 26 would be like kind of a good session. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and favorite training location? Not necessarily like, I know you train at UQ a lot, but what about any kind of favorite trail or area you like to run at anywhere um, in the country? Um, that traditional loop that we've got through Kutha, that's pretty fun. Running yeah. through the mountain bike trails, the switchbacks, the berms, you're kind of running sideways. If you get a few guys on that and you have like a nice train, um, there's a good variety, a few pinchy hills. It's got a bit of everything. Ah, oh, that's cool. And um, what about in terms of Athletics Australia, what are the, what are the good things, the pros about what they've done for engagement and promotion of the sport, but then also the things they may need to consider to improve? Mm. Um, telling the stories of the athletes I think um, what we want to try to do is engage more people in the sport people that um, you know who are able to follow the journeys of the athletes and the only way that you can really do that is by becoming um, invested in in their story uh, so when you know more about the people who are competing it makes the races more interesting yeah so yeah, yeah just sharing profiles doing videos. Um, I catch up with uh, Dave, uh, Dave Pierce, I think it is. Yeah, he does those new kind of montages and films and stuff. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. Like that is, that's the future of the sport. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Just building content that gets people excited and like it's 30 second videos, but mm. it tells a story that, it doesn't consume a lot of time. Like it's something you can look at just as you're scrolling through a feed. But if you've got enough of those and you see, like you can follow the journey of, of different athletes through content like that, that's that's how we grow the sport. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some things to think about there. Um, yeah, so that, that basically comes to the conclusion of the interview. So I really appreciate your time. I, I do wonder if the interview of Clay Dawson kind of got you hook, line and sinker. Uh, involved in the podcast I would think that may have been a factor but yeah I'm sure yeah being in training following that will listen in you've got heaps of connections you know then there's the masters crowd as well um, those with UQ and then you know for me this really is about spreading the word of running so I'm hoping mm -hmm. that there's a range of, of listeners um, tuning in to the podcast and and if they learn something from you that's 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 my goal and and raising the profile of running yeah, whether it be done. competitive or for enjoyment yeah i mean i've got a real passion for growing the sport and um you know if you've got some kids out there at churchy who are kind of listening it's yeah. um i guess the one thing if i can leave behind any sort of legacy is that um i don't want people to think that athletics is a sport that you know you have this window of opportunity where you get to 23 years of, old, of age and then it's kind of downhill mm. from there um, running is a sport that regardless of where you are in your life, um, what level you're at, uh, you always have an opportunity to, to make something out of it that's meaningful to you. And I guess for me, all of my PBs, all of my performance, um, like I'm now running sort of a, at a national level where I'm still competitive in the opens, that's only come within the last three years and mm. being 35 years of age, I guess it just shows that it's never too late. Like even if you've, you've kind of done okay at school or you haven't really sort of performed well in your mid twenties, 
if you dedicate yourself, you string together some consistency, you can always, uh, you, know, you can always in, improve and, um, and pursue goals, uh, regardless of how old you are. Oh, it's a valuable uh, life lesson in running that is. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time because like I said, we've, we've, we've sort of known each of each other over the years and this is an idea to run this podcast uh, that has stemmed for me anyway from years ago um, and to be sitting here um, for me anyway, for, for being a bit of a fan of you as, um, as a runner out there in Brisbane, it's been great. So thanks, mate. No worries. Thanks, Ollie. It's been good to chat. Cheers. We'll be in touch.